Let's just take some time to pray, shall we? And then we'll have a a time where we open up the word together. Father, we thank you for these great songs that we've been able to sing with a theme on mercy and grace. And as we have this summer been walking through some very hard and difficult teachings through the Ten Commandments, how wonderful it is to be reminded of mercy and grace as we have seen over and over how we fall short of keeping this law. And so thank you for reminding us that there is forgiveness through what Jesus has done for us. We thank you for this blessing. Now as we turn and we open our Bibles, Lord, I pray for you to bring a very clear, a powerful word about the expectations that you have of us to live a life of really freedom where we don't have to fret and worry about possessions. Rather, you will take care of us. And so remind us of that and we pray for your spirit to have the freedom to bring conviction of sin over us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been with us this summer, then you know where we're going. We're returning to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. And we are opening to what the Old Testament refers to as the Decalogue. The word deck, meaning ten. The word log, meaning words. The ten words, or today, we actually refer to them as the Ten Commandments. I was reflecting back in my own life how I was just wandering through my early years. I had a father that became a Christian, and even though I didn't live with him because of a divorce, he was faithful to plant truth into my life. And it wasn't until I became a Christian and I was around 19 or 20 years old at a college that I understood the mercy that we had been singing about today, that I'd fallen short of what God's expectations were of me and how I needed to be forgiven because there was no way I could work my way into a right relationship with Him. So I became a follower. Stout, there wasn't a lot of Christians around, but by His mercy, He allowed me to to grow and just kind of persevere. And then I moved here to Green Bay where I began my first real job. And I attended this church. And while attending, I I heard the Word of God opened up to me every Sunday morning and preached verse by verse and how wonderful that was. The pastor and other men came alongside and either formally or informally discipled me. And something was taking place in my life that the dreams and the ambitions that I had had were slowly washing away. And God was doing something in my heart to give me a new dream, a dream to learn His Word and to be able to proclaim it and to disciple others like I had been discipled. And I remember a a summer morning here in this room where I sensed the Lord calling me and devoting my entire life to doing that. The problem, at least as I saw it was, I had just gotten out of school and I had a significant amount of student debt. And I was like, what? Now I'm going to go back to seminary because I don't really know a lot about the Bible. And how would I pay for something like that? 
So it seemed wise to me that I would take a year and get real aggressive and try to pay off that student debt. And while I was in that process, there was a family in our church named Gary and Vicky, and they introduced me themselves to me and invited me over to their home one night there with their two little daughters, and, and they served me supper and said, uh, Chad, I've recently been transferred from my workplace from here to Green Bay to a place in Iowa. And what I would like to do is I would like to move my entire family uh, to, to live in an apartment, and what we would really like to find is a young, responsible man that would come and live in this home until this house sells. And we couldn't find a young, responsible man, so we thought we would ask you. Um, it didn't quite go like that. but it, it, And I said, let me get this straight. Now, this was in Park Place, if you know where that is over here. You want me to move out of my hot little crummy apartment on the east side, the, the inner city, and you want me to come over here and live in this big house by myself, and you're going to pay me to do that? And meanwhile, I can take all the money that I'm earning and I can pay down my debt? Yes. And for six months, I was able to stay there. And all the bills that I would have been paying for utilities and rent, I was able to apply to my student loan. And this isn't going to surprise you if you've been walking with the Lord. That when I got that letter that said, your loan has been paid in full, it was just a short period of time after that, that that house sold. Not only that, but in God's, I would say for me, a miraculous provision, not only was the debt paid off, but there was also a significant amount of savings set aside for seminary that I went to. Now, I had heard how God is a great provider. I've read that in the scriptures. I've heard that in Sunday school. I've seen that in materials. But I learned at a very personal level that that was woven into my story that what I need to do is pursue what God is leading me to do. Church family, what we need to do is pursue what God is leading us to do. And then he will provide for us. So as we look here at the 10th commandment, or actually the 8th of the 10th, what we're going to be talking about this morning is possessions, resources. And the underlying attribute of God here is that God is our great provider. And because of that, well, we don't need to steal. He will give us everything that we need. As we've been walking through these Ten Commandments, I think we've been learning a little bit about ourselves, haven't we? Actually, I'm thankful for all of you that are returning every Sunday morning through this series. Because if it's, this experience has been like it has been for me, this has been a brutal study. As we are getting beat up every week. It reminds me of some of our softball teams that we every week would go and get our brains bashed in by a, a better team, but we would show up. And here's what the Lord's Word is doing to us. It's informing us of how sinful our hearts are. And that drives us to our need for mercy and for grace. We find ourselves today in Exodus chapter 20. 
verse 15. And if you have trouble memorizing scripture, may I suggest to you verse 15. I believe by the end of this service, uh, you would have had this memorized. Look with me at Exodus 20, verse 15, where God says to his people, you shall not steal. Why don't you just repeat that with me? You shall not steal. Very good. You've already got it memorized. Now, I read a study this past week of evangelical Christians that said of the Eighth Commandment, 90% of them said this is a commandment that I don't struggle with. So maybe, maybe you would number yourself among that 90%, but would you please withhold that assessment till after the sermon? If you consider stealing like shoplifting or pickpocketing or embezzlement, perhaps you are not guilty of that. But as we'll find out, this commandment is broad and its application can be very specific. If you have a bulletin with you and you like the sermon outline, on the back of that sermon outline is a photo of one of my favorite artists named Norman Rockwell. And I might be stealing by actually printing this, I'm not sure, but... uh, But you'll see a very subtle form here of this sin, won't you? You see in that picture the shopkeeper, presumably the man that is managing the business. He is about ready to sell a chicken. And as he is doing it, you are going to purchase that chicken a certain amount of money per pound. And what is he doing to the scale? He is pushing it down so he can get the maximum amount of money for that chicken. And you also notice that there's the person who is purchasing that chicken, and she looks very dignified. And best I can tell, what she's going to do is serve that chicken for a Sunday meal after church. And what is she doing with that scale? She is pushing it up. And there is a word for that. It's stealing. And so what I'd like to do this morning is give you a quick little outline. We'll look at stealing to find We'll look at Jesus among thieves, and then we'll just conclude our message this morning by seeing this commandment renewed. Let's first consider this stealing defined. The Hebrew word here for stealing, you shall not steal, means to carry something away in secret. To carry something away in secret. I don't have to go very far to think of an illustration for this. On Friday, our family went down to a wedding uh, for my wife's nephew in the Milwaukee area. When we returned, there is a a firewood stand that my boys do. They put firewood out. It's an opportunity for them to learn some principles of small business. And when we arrived Friday night and looked on, on Saturday morning, we had noticed that there were two firewood bundles that had been stolen. And here's a clear definition. Carrying something away in secret. And the response of our family was, well, at least it wasn't as bad as the last time. (laughs) Where they took all the wood, including the sign. Now as we consider this stealing defined, I was thinking of some different categories that we can do this 
And one of the categories is that we can actually steal from our neighbors. Now, by neighbors, I don't mean necessarily the person that's right next to us. I just mean everyone around us. So let me give you some ways that we can do this. In the Bible, we saw Rachel taking some household gods from her father, Laban. We saw Ahab and Jezebel taking Naboth's vineyard. So when we rob, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about taking possessions of things that do not belong to us. This week I came across the statistic that said that one-third of the price of items on the shelf at the store, one-third of that is to compensate for all of the theft. Here's another way that we can steal from our neighbor, and that is to offer deception when we are selling something. Not telling the whole truth about the item of which someone is coming by to look at. It could be that the air conditioning is out in that vehicle and they, they just happen to come by in the winter and they're asking, does that air conditioning work? Sure. Can't you feel the cold air that's coming out of that vent? Yes, of course. Could be, and I purchased a vehicle once that they had the odometer rolled back. And so that I actually paid more than what that vehicle is worth. I got another fresh example. My family went to a garage sale this week and, and there were some toys. Does this work? Yes, of course that works. And purchasing it only to come home and find out that they don't work properly. There is a word for that. And it's called stealing. Conversely, another way that we can steal is by taking advantage of someone when buying. You know, I grew up in a family of hagglers. You know what I'm talking about. That when you see a price on Facebook Marketplace or, or a sticker on the vehicle, we understood that to mean that's only a suggestion. That's a starting point, right? But if you want a real good deal, well, then you're going to wear them down. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with doing some of that. But there also comes a place where we can take advantage of a person. We had a, a guy that worked with our youth, Jed. And when I first came to Green Bay back some 15, 14 years ago, um, him and I went out on our, a day off and we were going to purchase a boat. I was going to purchase a boat. And when we drove on a far west part, uh, about an hour away from here, we came into the small little community and there was a man. And as I offered my hand to shake his hand, it, 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 he shook it very soft and limp. And, and he did the same to Jed and he seemed very passive. And so when it came time to negotiate the price, I, I lowballed him and I said, man, I don't even know if this boat works. And I, I was able to get the price of that boat at a very good price, and I felt pretty good about myself. And as we were driving home, Jed said to me, you know, whenever I come across a man like him that seemed a little passive, I, I kind of feel sorry for him. But I couldn't help but notice, Chad, when, when you came across a man like that, you pounced, and you had an opportunity that you seized. And I thought he was paying me a compliment until this week, as I began to study this. And I thought, you know what? I, I think I took advantage of that guy, and, and I'm sorry about that. 
We see signs like going out of business, estate sale, someone had passed away in the family, or maybe I'm, I'm listing this item because I'm going through a divorce, and instead of having compassion on them, we see blood in the water. And let's go ahead and get the best price that we possibly can. Who cares if we are taking advantage of them? Several years ago, we were purchasing a a dishwasher in in Kakana. And again, there was the price. My wife and I and kids were going over. We found out it was a single mother. And we walked into that place. We saw this single mother had her hands full. I mean, there were kids everywhere. And it was very clear that this was a woman that needed the money. And for one time in my life, there was a sensitivity to this that says this is not a time to haggle. This is a time to give this lady what she needs. We might say that credit card companies are notorious for this, aren't they? To give out as many credit cards as they can, but they want to take advantage of people who are not good with money and charge them 20 plus percent in interest rates. Here's another way that we can steal from our neighbors. We can violate copyrights and and patents. I don't think there's any shortage of bootlegging opportunities on the internet to be able to download movies or music or, or something else without us paying for it. Plagiarism. To be able to steal someone's ideas and then to take credit for them is, well, it's stealing. Or how about this one? Another way we could steal from our neighbors is not paying back debts or belongings. In high school, we had just a few cars and my mom had a, an old Ford pickup truck that she would use to pull the horse trailer on occasion. And I would use that to drive back to my workplace, a grocery store. One day I decided to go for just a little bit of a joy ride, and I was driving down a country road. Because this was an old uh, pickup truck, the gas gauge had went out, and before long I had run out of gas, and I was off on the shoulder. Now this was a time where there were still were some family farms, right? And right by this broken down truck, I, I went into this farm, and I, I knocked on the door, and there was this old farmer I told him my situation. He went out and grabbed an old gas can, put a gallon or two of gas in there. And I said, you know what? I will pay you back. And I I drove back to the house, eventually got some gas. And you know, I worked at that grocery store, and every so often, that farmer would come. And listen to this. There were times I would literally carry groceries out for him. And I'd say, you know, he's so old. He probably don't even remember me. I'm not paying him back. And after doing that a few times, I was like, what in the world is wrong with you? Pay the man back. It could be a crock pot, ladies, that you have borrowed from one of your friends. It could be an air compressor, men, that you've never returned. It could be discipleship material. You know who you are. (laughs) Here's another way that we can steal. Another subtle one. It could be negligence. 
that leads to loss. Now, in Exodus chapter 22, there's oxen. Someone owns oxen and it gets outside their fence and it actually goes into the neighbor's fields and it eats out all the grain or all the grass of the neighbor's. And what God's word says is you are responsible. And the word is beast. You are responsible for your beast. Well, you might not have any oxen. But if you have little children, you have some beasts, right? <laughs> and if they are over at a neighbor's or your friends and they break stuff. Listen, you're responsible. At a minimum, you're responsible to offer To replace that. Here's another way that we can steal from our neighbor, and it's we can steal their reputation. We can slander another person and steal their good name. Well, that's one way we can steal. We can steal from a neighbor. Let's go to a separate category. Is it is it warm in here? Is it just okay? The air conditioning still work. All right. How about we can steal from work? We can arrive late and we can depart early. We are being paid for 40, 45 45 hours a week and we can spend that time texting, surfing, doing personal business, making personal phone calls. We can take items from work. We can make unauthorized copies from the copy machines. We can take advantage of our expense accounts that we are given And we can make all sorts of backroom deals that will actually help us in our personal lives. Employers, you can steal from your employees by not offering fair wages, not paying them what they deserve. Here's a third category. We can steal from our government. And I know in this church and other churches, There will be people that would say, I'm not giving to the government. They are the thieves. They don't spend money properly. And and I'm, I'm sure you could provide a convincing case of that. But are you actually saying that it's okay to steal from a thief? What did Jesus say? Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So our tax system, as flawed as it is, does provide a little flexibility that if we will just answer some blanks a certain way, not entirely honest, it'll benefit us financially. There's a word for that. It's called stealing. And our government is so generous that it will actually pay people if they're not working like unemployment or or welfare, or you could get on disability. And I'm sure there's ways to manipulate. And even though you are able to fill out a certain blank a certain way, to get money that you should not be getting, and that too is called stealing. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10 says, If anyone does not want to work... He should not eat. The fourth and final category here of this just defining stealing is to steal from God. How do we steal from God? In the book of Malachi, 
an Old Testament prophet says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You see, we are not really owners of anything. We are stewards. We are managers of what God has given to us. And we are given the blessing of using these materials for our good. But we are to give, according to the Old Testament law, 10% to the house of worship. Now, there'd be some here today that says, I'm no longer under the Old Testament law. And I would say to you, okay, but would your law giving then exceed grace giving? Then a minimum of our giving would be 10%. It says here in verse 9, You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation. Verse 10, Bring the full tithe into the warehouse that there may be a food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out for you a blessing until there is no more need. God owns it all. And he allows us to return a portion of that, 10% back to him. And if we don't, according to the Bible, I'm just reading from the scripture, that is stealing from God. Now, how serious is this stealing? I won't take a lot of time, but I was reading this week in the book of Joshua. Do you remember the book of Joshua? In this wonderful redemptive story in the Old Testament, God has raised up Moses to deliver the Israelites from Egypt, but he does not take them to the promised land. He dies short of taking them to the promised land. So he raises up his assistant named Joshua. Joshua has the responsibility of leading them into the promised land. And so we see in the book of Joshua where God's people cross the Jordan River and they are going to attack the first city. Remember the name of that first city? Starts with a J. Jericho, thank you. And do you remember they march around this city? The walls fall. And, and God's people go in to take ownership, to ransack it. And there's this one word here that God tells his people in Joshua chapter 6. In verse 18, But you keep for yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Last when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So they were not to take anything, no silver or gold for themselves. And you remember the story. There was a man named Achan that when he went in, he took the silver and gold for himself. And after they had had success... At Jericho, they went to the next city of Ai. And suddenly, God's people were very weak. And this little village of Ai conquered them. And so the leader, Joshua, was like, God, what are you doing? What have we done wrong? God said, there is sin in the camp. And so they go through this process of finding out, well, who, who was the thief? And there was a man named Achan. I'm reading now in Joshua chapter 7, verse 20. 
And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the tent, inside my tent, with the silver underneath. And do you remember what happened to Achan? Verse 25 says, And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble upon us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. We might be thinking this morning, Okay, we're all thieves. What's the big deal? What's God going to really do with this violation of the Eighth Commandment where we see God's holiness on full display in the life of Achan? as he brought this man and his family to death. There's a short little passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 that provides a list of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me read it to you. Or you do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You see, stealing is so serious to God that it will keep you out of a relationship with Him. It will keep you out of heaven. So I just allow that to just... Settle over us here for a moment. Now let's consider the second part of our message, and that is Jesus. Jesus among thieves. One would think if Jesus is God, and Jesus is holy, and sin, the sin of stealing is so severe, then he would not come into contact with thieves. But I would remind you, that he had 12 different men that followed him around who were called disciples. And one of those disciples was a man named Judas. In John chapter 12, as there was Mary who was anointing Jesus' feet with this very expensive perfume, it says there, Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, asked this question, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself out to what was put into it. Jesus surrounded himself with sinners. Some of those sinners were actually thieves. And can I, can I take you back to the cross? Was Jesus on the cross by himself? Wasn't there a few people beside him? Do you remember what they were guilty of? They were thieves. In Luke chapter 23, as we read a a few of these verses, let me just read to you a couple of these as Jesus is there up on the cross, beginning in verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do, not, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? 
verse 41, are we indeed justly? For we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, and he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And you have in those few verses what we call the good news of a thief, of man who had broken God's law, confessing it. Knowing what he deserved was death. And he was actually receiving death there on the cross. But then he could look to his side and see Jesus and say, here is one who does not deserve this. Here's the good news. As I speak to myself and a room of thieves, he has come to die in your place. And there's this wonderful promise that if you confess your sins, if you repent, that it may be said of you as well, that one day you will be with him in heaven. It was true of Bob. It can be true of you as well. So thieves can be forgiven. And we see that thieves can be transformed as well. As we see Jesus among thieves in Luke chapter 19. Remember that small little man? What was his name? Zacchaeus. He too was a thief. He was a tax collector, one who, yes, he had to give some money to the Roman government, but there was a commission that he could add to his own pocket. And Jesus went to him. He said in verse 5, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must Stay at your house today. He wants to be with this thief. Verse 6 says, So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And then the scripture says, That given proof to a changed heart, Zacchaeus said to Jesus, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it. Fourfold. You see, when a thief has had his sins forgiven, then they restore that which was stolen. This week I heard a great story of, from Alistair Begg. In 1922, there was this great shipbuilding yard. I think we have some shipbuilders in our church. They're in New York. And, and these were some hardened employees that were not known for their upright morality. And one day an evangelist came into that yard and just began to preach the gospel. He preached the law of how everyone was sinful. He preached about God's mercy and forgiveness. And you know what took place? Many of these employees sought forgiveness and were redeemed and and became new people. And you know what took place? They went back home and they started taking the tools that they had stolen from their shipbuilding company and started bringing them back as proof that they were now a changed person. There were so many tools and furniture and supplies that were being brought back that they had to actually build a new warehouse. And eventually, an early version of a memo went out and says, listen, we understand that Jesus 
is doing a great work in the shipbuilding yard, but will you stop bringing tools back because we no longer have a place for them? Now let's conclude then, finally, with this commandment renewed. I've attempted, as we've worked through these Ten Commandments, to not only state them in the negative form, that is, you shall not steal, but I also want to state them in a positive form. And to do that this morning, we'll just look at Ephesians 4, verse 28. This is what Paul wrote on the other side of the gospel, how you want to live out the gospel life. He said, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Do you see the opposite of stealing? The opposite of stealing is actually to work, it says here, honest work. What our responsibility is, is to seek after what God is leading us to do and to work. He will provide for us. And if we are unusually blessed, there will be an excess. And you know what that excess is for? To participate in giving to others. When the thief was forgiven by Jesus... He or she is transformed. and They no longer steal, but they work to give. Possessions are not there for us to hoard, but rather to give. One of the great authors, Jerry Bridges, says this, There are three views to possessions. The first is this, What's yours is mine. I'll take it. That's called stealing. A second view of possessions is what's mine is mine. I'll keep it. That's called selfishness. But God's view is this. What's mine is God's. I will share it. And that's called stewardship. Kent Hughes said, Every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. And our Savior said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How about you? What is your attitude towards resources? What's yours is mine, I'll take it. What's mine is mine, I'll keep it. Or how about this? What's mine is actually God's. And I will share it. Would you reflect on these words with me as we pray? Father, once again, as we've considered this wonderful passage of Scripture, just a couple of words here for our basis of our sermon. As we've expanded them, we have seen that they are not only speaking about shoplifting and pickpocketing, but they can be applied in a very specific ways that address some real heart issues, whether it is stealing.
taking what doesn't belong to us, or whether it is stinginess, hoarding what we are given in order to be a blessing to others. Would you just take this time right now and help us to sort through that? And as we are, we do that with our eyes thinking back to our Savior who died between two thieves. If ever there were a picture of a man who gave, it was him. And he gave his very life that we might have life. And so, friends, as we are praying right now, I wonder, have you, have you trusted Christ? It's comforting to know that once you're aware of your sin, then you're aware that you need to be forgiven of that sin. Now, the thief on the cross was not able to go to church. He was not able to be baptized. He was not even to do good works because he's just about ready to die. Follow his example of just appealing for mercy, of saying, would you please forgive me? Give me what I don't deserve, forgiveness. Oh, help me to live the rest of my days seeing possessions differently. Let me just trust you instead of taking what doesn't belong to me and see how you'll provide provide for me. I just encourage you right here. Repent. Turn from your sins. Throw yourself onto Jesus. Beg him for forgiveness that you might be renewed and have a new life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think this is a great song that kind of sings these truths back. Instead of pursuing possessions, let's pursue Jesus. Let's stand. Will you?